Meseches Trumos, Perik Base, Mishnah Gimel 2.3. The previous Mishnah had said that if one would tithe Tamei food on behalf of Tara food, so then if he does it Bishogeg, inadvertently not knowing what he was doing at the time, then it's effective. But if it's Bemezid, if he's intentionally, purposely ties taking Tamei on behalf of untame food, then the rabbi said, no, we penalize him and we, and we won't let it happen, we force him to take it again to protect the Kohen. On that topic here in Mishnah Gimel, we depart for a moment from the topics of Trumos altogether, and we discuss other areas of halacha where we differentiate between shogeg and mezid, intentional and unintentional uh, violations of various halachas, some durabanan and some doraisa. Now, to understand this Mishnah properly, it, we have to dig deep for a moment to understand what's going on behind the scenes. Our Mishnah is going according to the Tana Rebbe Meir, as the case with the vast majority of Mishnayos, where there's no attribution, they're a Stam Mishnah, they're just anonymous, there's no particular Tana named as the author of the Mishnah. So then the, the assumption is that this is a Mishnah that was originally formulated by Rebbe Meir, or his tradition, which was Rebbe Hudanasi, when he codified the Mishnayos, he took Rebbe Meir's uh, version. So this will reflect the Shita Rebbe Meir, um, and that being the case, we have to understand what Rebbe Meir holds. So Rebbe Meir holds that when it comes to Doraisa, mitzvahs, there is no such thing as penalties for shogig violations. That is to say, if a person did the wrong thing on accident, he didn't intend to do the wrong thing, so the chips will fall where they may, maybe he has to bring a korban or whatever the things will be, they will be. But there's no additional rabbinic uh, kanas, a penalty against a shogig, an inadvertent violation of a derisa. Whereas, if a person willfully violates the Torah, he does it in Isser Doraisa B'mezid, violates the Torah purposefully, intentionally. So then there there will be um, penalties so that the, the sinner doesn't, doesn't benefit, doesn't prosper. So he, again, Reb Meir holds in Doraisas, there's no penalties for Shogegs, there is a penalty for Mezid. When it comes to Durabanans, so Reb Meir will hold that Many times there's no penalty at all. But when there is a penalty, and the rabbis did say, you know, we're not going to let you get away with this, so we'll penalize you in some way. So then they did not differentiate between intentional and unintentional violations. It's all the same. Well, the Rebbe Meir is standing up for the, and reinforcing the authority of the Rabbanim. And they say, where the Rabbanim say there's a penalty, then there's no difference between an intentional or an unintentional violation. The penalty where applied applies across the board. So Rebbe Meir is standing up, if you will, for the authority and reinforcing the authority of the Rabban. As we'll see in just a minute, though, um, there's some exceptions to that rule, and I'll say that right now. Look inside. It says, Hamat bil kalim If a person immerses kalim in a mikvah on Shabbos. Now, this is not talking about the tevilas kalim that you are probably familiar with. That is, when a person acquires a, a new utensil that came from a, uh, a non-Jew, manufactured by a non-Jew, and that utensil is made out of um, one of the various materials you know that require immersion in mikvah before first-time use, metal, for example. Um, so we're not talking about that. Um, in fact, it's a according. It seems according to the Shulchan Aruch, the Machaber, um, that it might be permissible to do. Um, that immersion on Shabbos. Um, he brings a ye- Yesh Ostrom. He says some people say no. 
Um, it's in uh, Orchaim Shin Chaf Gimel, Sif Zion, if you want to look it up over there, and there's a Mishnah Bar has a lot to say. Um, but in any case, we're not talking about that, which might be permissible on Shabbos. Uh, what we're talking about here is a kli that is Tameh, and a person wants to immerse in the mikvah to be metahirit, to get rid of the, the tumah status. So that is an isodur rabbanan. That is to say, if one does immerse a kli on Shabbos in a mikvah, the kli does become tahor. But the rabbi said not to do it because it resembles tikkun mana, it resembles metaken of, of repairing a utensil. And repairing a utensil is a violation potentially of the isra of uh, so since this is certainly not Makbapatish, but it, it looks like it is on some level, the rabbi said don't even do it so people won't come to do Makbapatish. So in other words, when we're summing up here, we're saying there's a prohibition, Midrabanan, not to immerse Tame utensils in mikvah and Shabbos. So our Mish's case is what if a person went ahead and did it anyways? Hamat bil kelim Shabbos. One did immerse his Tame kli on Shabbos, despite the rabbi saying not to do it. So the Mishnah says, Shogeg, if he didn't know it was Tameh at the time, or that it was Shabbos at the time, or that it was forbidden to do such a thing at the time, so then Yishtamish Behem, we will let him use this Kli. Certainly if he has no other Kli to use, we'll let him use this Kli, because we don't have Shabbos if he messed up, he has no, you know, whatever dishes to eat on or something like that. Um, but Mazid, if he knew full well that the Kli was Tameh, and that he shouldn't be immersing it on Shabbos, but he did it anyways, so then, Lo Yishtamish Behem, we now penalize him, and we say, you may not use these kalim for Shabbos to send him back, so now he, he can't, um, he, he won't benefit from having violated the Rabbanan injunction not to do tefillah's kalim on Shabbos. So, that's straightforward. The only problem is, if this mission is like Rabbi Meir, and it is like Rabbi Meir, um, so then I just finished saying in the introduction how, if we're talking about a rabbinic enactment, and this is rabbinic, not to do tefillah's kalim on Shabbos, of Tamei Kalim, um, we said that Rav Meir doesn't differentiate between Shogig and Mezid, and nevertheless over here, we certainly see that he says if it's a Shogig that a person immersed the utensil, then he could use it, whereas Mezid he couldn't, so we are differentiating, of course. So the answer is that over here, um, the rabbis are concerned that if he doesn't have um, utensils to use on Shabbos, his Shabbos is messed up. We don't want that to happen, unnecessarily. And what was he doing, after all? He was, doing the, he was attempting to do the right thing. He was trying to um, eat Petahara. He didn't he was a shogig. He didn't know what he was doing was wrong. He thought he was doing a great a mitzvah of fixing up his utensils. And that being the case, um, this is an exception to the rule of Reb Meir. And since he was trying to do the right thing and he acted as shogig, we won't penalize him over here uh, in the event where he needs these utensils for Shabbos because that'll mess up his Shabbos and that's going too far. So there's an exception to the rule because we want to protect his Shabbos and because he was trying to do the right thing and doing the tefillah. And his act was just shogig. So it's an exception. The next line of the Mishnah says, if a person tithes or a person cooks on Shabbos, so now that's a mouthful because tithing on Shabbos is an Isra Durabun and the rabbis, similarly to the similar to the previous clause of the Mishnah, we the rabbi said that people shouldn't tithe their food on Shabbos, uh, because again it appears like you're fixing the food, and that's like again one step away from Makhapatish. So therefore the rabbi said not to tithe food on Shabbos, you have to tithe it before Shabbos. On the other hand, cooking on Shabbos, Mavashel, that is an Isra Dorais, of course, is one of the 39 Malachas. Bishel is a big no-no, carries with it the penalty of of, a, of death, even if one does it amazed, um with Edom Nasra. And certainly if he does a Bishogig, he has to um, bring a, a Chatas and a, a sin offering. So, totally different um, things. And yet the Mishnah 
conflates them, it lumps them together, and it says shogeg. If the person did this tithing or cooking inadvertently or not knowing that it was Shabbos or whatever that was forbidden, then yochal, we let him eat the food still. Meizid, on the other hand, if he knew full well what he was doing was wrong, then lo yochal, we say he can't eat it um, on Shabbos. So, here again, we have to, let's take them one step at a time. The first one is the rabbinic prohibition against tithing food on Shabbos. So it's very similar to the previous clause. We're saying if it's inadvertent, we don't penalize you. If it's intentional, we do penalize you. And it's the same thing as the previous clause in the Mishnah. Here, this person didn't know what he's doing was wrong. He's trying to do the right thing doing a mitzvah of tithing food. And he needs the food for Shabbos. So if that's true, if it's true, he needs the food for Shabbos. And it's true that he was trying to do the right thing. And it's true that he didn't know what he's doing was wrong. So then we won't penalize him, despite the usual rule, which is by Rabbi Meir, that we penalize Shogik and Mezid equally here because it has those features of not, we don't ruin his Shabbos, he needs the food, presuming that's true, um, and, uh, and he just turns to the right thing. So this is an exception to the rule, and we will let him eat the food even on Shabbos after tithing it. However, that's what's an exception. Now, let's talk about the Doraisa. The Doraisa now of cooking on Shabbos, that follows good old Rameir's general principle, which is when it comes to uh, Doraisa's Torah violations, we don't have penalties for shogeg, and that's why we said if he cooked it unwittingly, not knowing he was going to cook, or not knowing that it was Shabbos, or not knowing there was Asr on Shabbos, then Yochel, we let him eat the food anyways, because where Meir Shita is, there's no penalty on Shabbos um, applied when one violates Shabbos for shogeg. On the other hand, if it's a mazid, if he willfully violated Shabbos, so then we certainly do penalize him, and we say, Lo Yochel, he may not eat this food on Shabbos now, he gets no benefit from his Shabbos violation. Now, important to note, there's a machlokus between Rabbi Meir and Rabbi Yehuda on these halachas, and many paskin like Rabbi Yehuda, including our hero in this shiur, the Bartanura, the Rav, who paskins like the Rambam, and that's how the Machab and the Shulchan Aruch paskins, we paskin like Rabbi Yossi, which is not like Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi holds sort of the diametric opposite of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yossi holds that we, when it comes to Doraisas, we do apply a kanas, a penalty. Rameer said, we don't penalize Shogeg. Rameer says, yes, we do. And when it comes to Durabanans, we said that Rabbi Meir, sort of to reinforce the authority of the rabbis, he penalizes Shogeg and amazes it equally. Whereas Rabbi Huda says, nope, not necessarily. We will um, let Shogeg slide, whereas Mazid we will penalize. So, the halacha in this case, at least according to the Rambam and the Machaber, although there are plenty who argue, and 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 like the Gra and others who pasken that the halacha does follow our Mishnah, um, but the the Bartanura, who I'm going to follow because I always follow him here in this year, um, says that the halacha goes like Rabbi Yossi, and therefore you have to understand that, and certainly it's the halacha for Sephardim, that's for sure, that we are going to lamaisa not follow this Mishnah, and we're going to say that if a person um, cooks on Shabbos. Even Bashogeg, it's forbidden to him on Shabbos, till after Shabbos. And if he cooks B'meizid intentionally on Shabbos, then it's usher to him forever, even after Shabbos. He can never eat that food. Um, and others will have to wait till after Shabbos to eat it as well. That's an amazing scenario. And that's the Allah Chalamais, according to the Bartanur. Um, just an important side point here. You may be familiar, even according to Rameer, even we say if he did it B'meizid, he can't eat it on Shabbos. The question is, after Shabbos, how long does he have to wait? So you may well be familiar with the principle of, of Bechtei Ya'asu, which is um, you have to wait the amount of time it would take to do it. So 
Kadeshiasu would mean if it takes an hour to cook this food, so then if it was cooked on Shabbos, and there's a we're saying you can't eat it till after Shabbos, so Kadeshiasu would mean you have to wait a full hour after Shabbos before you can eat the food. You can't eat it right away because then you're sort of benefiting, you're saving yourself an hour um, cooking time if you cook it on Shabbos. So, although Rashi understands indeed that this is Bichdeshiyasu would apply over here, the overwhelming majority of Roshonim, the Rambam, many others, um, and the Halach Lamaisa, is that there's no such thing as um, Kadeshiyasu, the amount of time it takes to do it after Shabbos, in the realm of these things. It only applies in the realm of Amir Akum. It applies in the area where one has gotten a non-Jew to do Malacha for him on Shabbos. So when one acted inappropriately and had a non-Jew do something from him on Shabbos for his benefit where that was not permitted, so then we penalize him, we say you can't get benefit from that Malacha done on Shabbos, you have to wait till after Shabbos. And there the Halacha will be, you have to wait not just till after Shabbos, but wait the amount of time it takes to have done what the Goy did anyways, and that way you benefit nothing for having get him to do it on Shabbos. So there the rabbis basically said, since people are liable to try to get non-Jews to do work for them on Shabbos, we have a penalty which says, you, not only can you not under more, most circumstances, um, but if he does, you have to wait the amount of time it takes to do it by yourself, That you know, so you get no benefit in terms of time saving either. But in the t- context of this halacha and this mishnah, where we're talking about a Jew doing the cooking on Shabbos, there would be no Bechdesh Yasu issue, according to Rambam and, and most others. It means the Reb Meir would hold if it's Shogik, eat it on Shabbos. If it's amazing, wait till immediately after Shabbos. And Rabbi Yehuda would hold if it's Shogik, you have to wait till after Shabbos. And if it's Mazid, then you can, but immediately thereafter you could eat it. No Bechdesh Yasu. And if you did it Mazid, then it's usher to you forever. You can never eat that food. And other people have to wait till after Shabbos. Okay. Now, the Mishnah continues and says, it says, now, Hanotea B'Shabbos, what about planting, planting a tree? So if one plants a tree on Shabbos, that's also an Isser Doraisa. Um, it's it's a, a tolda of Zorea. The, one of the third nine categories of forbidden labor is Zorea, sowing seeds, planting seeds in the ground, and Notea, um, which the Pashas simply mean, probably means planting a tree, like a sapling in the ground, or replanting a sapling, as the case may be. So that's what it means, so then that's also an, an Isodor, Doraisa, it's not the Av of Zareya, but it's the Tolda subcategory of, of Zareya, of planting, of planting a tree, Natiya. And that is just like cooking, it's Asr Medoraisa. And therefore the Allah is, this is Rabbi Meir speaking, Rabbi Meir holds, since it's Doraisa, we don't penalize Shogig, and therefore Shogig, if a person planted this tree not knowing it was Shabbos, or not knowing that was Asr to do on Shabbos, then Yikayem, then he can be Mekayim, he can maintain that tree after Shabbos. No need to uproot it. But Mazid, if he intentionally uh, planted that tree on Shabbos, so then Yaakor, he can't get away with that, will force him to now uproot that tree so he gets no benefit from the Malachah done on Shabbos. And that's certainly true, even though the tree won't take root till way after Shabbos, but putting it in the ground in the first place is Aser. And that being the case, since he acted Mazid intentionally, we don't let him get away with it. We penalize, says Reb Meir, we penalize Mazid violations of the Arises. Finally, Uvashvias. What about in the Shemitah year? In the Shemitah year, it's also prohibited to plant. Um, Zriya is certainly an Isodoraisa. Natiya, if it's a replanting of a tree, it's actually a contentious point. Let's assume for simplicity, we're talking about planting trees here, and let's assume for simplicity's sake that planting trees um, on 
on the seventh year of the Shemitah cycle in Shvius is an Isodoraisa also. Keep it simple for now. Um, and that being the case, Ubeshvius, Bein Shogi Bemezid Yakor. If it's a, if he violates the Torah and plants on Shemitah year, whether he did it Shogeg or Mezid, we force him to uproot it. Now, we're talking about a Doraisa here, and this is Rabbi Meir speaking, and the principle was Rabbi Meir held that we don't penalize Shogegs, we do penalize Mezids. So we should have expected it to say, like the previous line about Shabbos, if he did it on accident, not knowing it was Shabbos, not, not, excuse me, not knowing it was the Shemitah year, we should let him keep the tree in the ground and only force him to uproot it if it was intentional. However, we don't say that. We say whether inadvertently be planted or intentionally planted on Shemitah year, it must be uprooted. The reason why is because, and you'll recall this from Masechus um, Shviyas we just finished, is that um, the rabbis really threw their weight heavily against um, what must have been widespread, prevalent Shemitah violation in the time of Chazal. And since it was so common for people to basically cheat the system and lie and, and do things on Shemitah where they weren't allowed to do, um, the rabbis made a whole slew of Durabanans that were that are pretty... Um, Pretty extreme in their in their um, you know their aggressive posture. So the rabbis, if you recall, they pushed back all working of the lands like way into the sixth year where it didn't benefit the trees, etc. You recall there's an isra svichin. The Torah lets you eat the stuff which grows wild in the seventh year. The rabbi said most of that stuff is forbidden, etc. Again, because people were cheating the system and saying, oh, this this wheat grew wild, and really the truth is the person planted the wheat and he's just lying. So similarly over here, since there's a uh, widespread suspicion that Jews will flout the halachas of Shemitah and plant in the Shemitah year. The rabbis were very strict, and they said, even if you claim it's just a shogeg and it was an accident, you didn't know it was Asr or Shviyas, whatever the story is, um, and when you planted these seeds, forget it, we're still penalizing you, and we're saying, even Reb Meir here is saying, even if it was shogeg, when it comes to Shemitah, we are very strict, and we will force you to get no benefits, even the shogeg, and certainly the mazed, and force you, therefore, to uproot the tree.